0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station.
1: This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you for Afternoons with Helen Farmer. An absolutely packed show to start your week off. We were feeling inspired, motivated by Sam Morris. 20 years of professional experience and he has quit that job to set up a platform with other motivational speakers. What can we learn from them and ultimately getting you set up for the year ahead? Meeting the stars of Dubai Hustle, that property reality TV show. Jessica and Chris in the studio to talk about what happens behind the scenes, including some explosive arguments by the sounds of it. We were having big chats with Jay Tolentino, a.k.a. Kuya Jay, setting it up financially for the year ahead. And it was Tenji Moyo in the studio, employment lawyer extraordinaire, as we asked, what happens if your company hasn't paid you, hasn't provided medical insurance and everything you need to know about employment law in the UAE? Are you ready to feel inspired? I'd love to hear from you on the text line 4001. Who motivates you? Are there any good book recommendations for the year ahead? Give us a shout. Um, Ready to feel inspired right here in the studio. We've got Sam Morris. He's got more than 20 years of experience working in the professional services sector, but at the same time, extracurricular, completing and competing in some of the world's toughest Ultra endurance expeditions. We're talking Ironman endurances. We're talking mountaineering, sailing. Uh, most recently, rowing 5,000 kilometres across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, we're stolen away from him to sit down for, for about and a half an hour or so. He has recently set up Endurance Excel, which is a platform for motivational speakers, it's offering some corporate coaching as well, expeditions, talks. Um, And we're going to be talking about who is on that platform. is it nice just to sit down and have a bit of rest, Sam? Are you feeling a bit restless?
0: (laughs) Thanks, Ellen. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, Yeah, uh, basically, I've been on the go now working in the corporate world for 20 plus years. And I decided after rowing the Atlantic that I needed... To do something a bit different. Um,
1: lots of time to think, I'd imagine, on
0: that boat. There was a lot of time. It took us 38 days. Oh. Uh, you don't have any distractions, so you've got you know no internet, no phone, etc. Once a day, we had like a little satellite dish, and we'd download our WhatsApps. But that's about it.
1: So it's not a case so. of you know plugging in and, and listening to you know an audio book for eight hours a day.
0: No. Well, we listened to lots of music. Okay. Uh, quite an eclectic mix of music on the boat. <laughs> we had Ho- a few clashes. Hopefully, a
1: long loop. <laughs> Otherwise, you yeah. can get a, a little bit. Repetitive. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the platform but I do want to talk about you when did you start to train for and think about some of these incredible events and, and races that you've been taking part on can you pinpoint it
0: sure yeah it was um, 2015 um, I'd been in Dubai then about eight years, and I got sort of sort of sucked into the whole uh, party scene here, brunches, mm-hmm. etc. It, it does happen. I put on the Dubai stone or two or three stone. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, like I was still very active. Um, I was doing a lot of um, sport, lots of team sport, lots of hockey, football, and stuff like this. But in 2015, I decided to sign up for my first ultra marathon.
1: Had you uh, done marathons before that? Never
0: run a marathon before. So, oh, so, so you I, went straight for the ultra? Yeah, well, I went for a multi-stage ultra. I went for the MDS, the Marathon des Arbes, which is a self-sufficient 250-kilometer race across the Sahara Desert.
1: Um, why?
0: Um, I'd seen documentaries about it, and it just seemed like a good idea. And I just thought, you know, I need a catalyst for, uh, for a change. So,
1: What's the success rate on uh, Marathon des
0: it, it Normally about 20-30% dropout. Wow. Yeah.
1: And what was training like?
0: Uh, So I approached Coach Lee, uh, Lee Harris. He's from LK running. Uh, He's probably the sort of foremost ultra endurance coach in the region. Mm -hmm. And I said, hi, Lee, you know, I've just signed up for the MDS. Could you train me? Uh, His response was, uh, what's your marathon time? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I had never run a marathon. I'm a team sport guy and a bit overweight, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, okay." he sort of laughed, muttered something a bit silly.
1: How long did you have?
0: Uh, I had nine months. So then he asked me whether I was doing it in two years time. I said, (gasps) no, I'm doing it in nine months. Long story short, we had a long, serious chat. He realized that I had the mindset for it. Uh, He said, "Okay, uh, I'm going to tell you when to wake up, when to sleep, uh, what to eat, blah, blah, blah. And he trained me from zero to ultra marathon runner. And I went to the MDS uh, with a view to not competing, completing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I got through it. Uh, I broke a toe on the third day. That was fun. (gasps) How many days was it? (laughs) Uh, Well, it's six marathons in five stages. Wow.
1: Yeah. uh, You're sitting in front of us wearing, like, you know, a lovely pressed shirt (laughs) and kind of, you know, I've seen you in in Dubai in a kind of, you know, the city capacity. I find it really intriguing to think how people can have these, not necessarily other lives, but this other sense of identity and accomplishment and be able to do things beyond what other people can. And you mentioned mindset there, Sam, and I, I wondered... Do you see that in yourself and do you recognize it in others that you've got an edge or you've got the ability, a growth mindset even, to achieve things that probably the vast majority of the population wouldn't it wouldn't even cross our minds?
0: Now, that's where we disagree. And this is why I've set up my new company, is that I think everyone's got it in them. So I'm proof that I went from zero to ultra marathon runner to ocean row. I've done lots of other crazy adventures ever since then. So I'm proof that everyone's got it in them. So this new platform I've set up is ultimately tapping into people who are sitting in offices going, what the hell am I doing here? There's more to life than this.
1: We're going to be exploring that yeah. platform. Who is on that? Sam Morris in the studio, recently set up Endurance Excel. Mm-hmm. Sam Morris in the studio with us today. He is an Iron Man. He's rode the Atlantic and has recently set up Endurance Excel. This is a platform of motivational speakers, corporate coaching, expeditions. They've got award-winning psychologists helping corporations and, yeah, people like us reach our greatest potential tell us a little bit about what gap you've identified and i guess your mission with insurance excel
0: so so i did um lots of research with different hr departments um, around the gulf and there's an issue at the moment with staff retention rates so i thought how can i use my experience knowing that full well i was one of those people who did 20 plus years in the corporate world and was never truly happy i never truly felt valued so I thought to myself, how can I then use my experience to then sort of motivate and engage staff to help the the the, the large corporations maintain their um sorry the mic keeps on cutting it out. Take,
1: take off the headphones. Oh, you, you, you sound
0: okay. great. Oh, do I sound great? Yeah, okay. yeah <laughs> you're all good. Um, so, yeah, so ultimately I thought 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 of a way to tap in and help these corporations with uh, with a way to help sort of sort of motivate and retain their staff. So
1: is there a correlation there between, I guess, having these adventures and passions outside of work and job satisfaction
0: yeah there's very much a direct correlation between um sport and sort of uh, people feeling happy and valued etc so i started in 2015 with my proper ultra endurance uh, um, journey and there's a direct link between my career um, um and then exponentially sort of sort of expanding
1: do you think okay yeah. there's a few things to unpack there i mean one could yeah. be a confidence thing as well when you start to view yourself in a different way of someone who is you know, not just capable, but, you know, really getting up into elite performance and how that translates to the workplace. Am I making a leap there?
0: Very much so. No, very much so. And also all the different skills. So so obviously, there's the goal setting and smart goals and making sure that you're confident doing that. Mm -hmm. Communication, leadership skills, critical thinking skills as well. So on my boat in the Atlantic, we had to basically stay positive. When something broke, it was either fix it or die so so did
1: did things get a bit hairy out there
0: they did get very hairy out there we had three days in the middle when we had the tail end of a storm and we had waves the size of houses just coming (gasps) at us and our rudder disengaged at night time so will and i were asleep and our teammate toby was rowing and he's frantically knocking on our cabin door and we jump out we we put our harnesses on and the only two ways you're going to die ocean rowing are going overboard and not being clipped on uh, or capsizing, and your cabins flood. So you always keep your cabin doors closed. Mm-hmm. So we got out on the deck, and we suddenly saw these walls of darkness coming towards us, and we were like, "What the hell's going on?" And we basically, after three or four attempts of trying to fix this, we realised that the rudder was disengaged, and we worked out. Well, actually, it was Toby worked out that there was a weight distribution issue. So we reorganised the weight on the boat, and then it meant on the very peak of these massive forty, fifty foot waves, the rudder wasn't coming out of the water and therefore it wasn't locking, and because we were side-on when that happened. Oh, right. And that's when it's dangerous on a boat. If you're side-on and the waves are coming towards you, that's when you're going to capsize and you're going to roll. Yeah.
1: So these moments teach you, you know, an awful lot about yeah. yourself. Yeah. What, what have you learned about yourself in, in some of those worst moments, Sam?
0: Well, actually, I've learned that actually I should stick up for myself when it comes to certain certain points. So one of them was budgeting.
2: <laughs> go on. Yeah. So, expecting
0: that. so so we had a very uh, very long discussion about uh, about life jackets because rowing an ocean is quite an expensive thing. It's about two hundred thousand dollars to to do it with the boat and all the equipment, etc. I wanted the most expensive life jackets. One of my teammates said, "No, let's get the cheapest ones we can find because if you go overboard, you're dead anyway." Mm-hmm. And I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. But in the end, we settled on the medium ones. But on that night, when we had these massive waves coming towards us, I was like, I wish I had the really expensive life jacket on. Peace <laughs> of mind
1: would have been pretty amazing. Sam Morris with yeah. us today. Um, really interesting to get people's take on who motivates them. Message here saying a book called "The Await- Awakening by Sidra Draffrey. She's not with us anymore. She passed a few years ago in an accident, but she was so good. Krep was motivated with her or her way of speaking, her assertiveness. Um, and a message here from, um, from Stephen saying, what does Sam Morris think about David Goggins? Do you know of David Goggins? You read any of his work?
0: Yeah. So like on the boat, uh, um, the solo rowing at night time. I had lots of different podcasts and audiobooks and I had David Goggins as one of them. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I yeah, really enjoyed it. I love the positive mindset. I, yeah.
1: I find him quite interesting. He talks a lot about kind of callousing the mind, so yeah. kind of toughening up. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you've experienced over the years?
0: Yeah. And that's something actually that Coach Lee taught me. Uh, was the ultra endurance mindset and you build it up build it up build it up just like building up any muscle in your body you build it up and build up that mental toughness mm. and actually uh thanks to coach lee that's that that's really what took me into the row with that positive i can do it mindset yeah um,
1: i am um, i've climbed we've spoken about before um you know i, I climbed kilimanjaro and I, I remember um caroline leon who's actually on on your on your panel of um of inspirational people who i climbed with she said the exact same thing you yeah. know, my knees are garbage they really are but she's like if you're able to nail the mindset if you're able to get a motto or a mantra going through your head on summit night it will change everything and i still remember it it was it became like a meditation it was like every step gets me closer every step makes me stronger 100% and yeah. it's so weird to think about as i said seeing you in a you know radio studio context you know, versus you being a marathon subler in the, you know the middle of the ocean with waves the size of houses but come back to that mindset piece that we were talking about earlier. You said it's not a case of you either have it or you don't. It is something that can be developed. Tell us a little bit about Endurance Excel though, because you are... Really bringing together some of the, it's like the Avengers, the best of the best of the, of, the U, of the UA and international scene of, you know, athletes, coaches, psychologists. How did you start to assemble this lot?
0: So really just through word of mouth, um, there's a lot of people like me who have done incredible, uh, um, like endurance events, be it uh, cycled around the world. I've got uh, the two founders of uh, um, like extreme medicine. Uh, I've extreme got extreme medicine yeah so they're all about sort of doctors in extreme environments so be it in a war zone wow. or be it up a mountain or be it uh, rowing an ocean whatever it is so they're very interesting people um, so that's Nikki and Mark I've also got world record holders on there like uh, Sean Burgess and I've got Nelly Attar who's... okay
1: giving back to Sean Burgess <laughs> <Yeah>. right who <laughs> yeah. I also know I climbed a mountain with him in Georgia yeah. okay he, w- it took us I'm not exaggerating it took us three days to get to our st- starting point for summer night then it was summit night, and then it was coming back down. He met us. It took him one day to do what us, took us three days. He summited, went back down straight away, didn't even rest. Yeah. That man is a machine.
0: So, so, like Sean and I were actually talking about doing a race up Kilimanjaro and back. A race. It, it's something I looked into. <laughs> yeah, it, it's something I looked into about five years ago for the trail running club here. But I couldn't find a company who could set up the checkpoints and the water stations, etc. But right. Sean might have found somebody now. So the idea would be to spend five or six days on the mountain and then come down to the the start gate and then run up and down in one day. That would be the plan.
1: And um, I mean... Yeah. The why? Let's come. <laughs> no, let, no, Let's come back to the platform. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the people that you've brought together for endurance. Itself.
0: Um, I've got Nellyata just joined. Actually, she's just
1: broken a world record. She's an amazing yeah, woman. Yeah,
0: two finger pull-ups, incredible. You
1: know, guys, everybody go and check out Nelly Atta on on her Instagram because obviously you'll see her doing the the pull-ups that got her yeah. a spot. But I mean, as a mountaineer and athlete, yeah. and also just this the positivity that she brings to the UAE and to the online space yeah. is just truly truly inspiring. she's incredible
0: that's incredible she scaled 30 plus mountains now she's been up everest she was uh, the third female arab up everest she was also the first first arab um, um yeah, male yeah, male and female uh, to summit k2, k2. Yeah. yeah she's, she's so absolutely amazing brilliant yeah who else uh, who else have I got know? Well, uh, I've got Paris Norris. The guy in Dubai. Guy in Dubai, exactly. So Paris and his teammate Harry's also joined. So Harry's ex-military. Paris has done a lot of cool cool adventures. So they both joined as well. Um, uh, yeah, they rode across the Pacific Ocean. Um, and Paris has obviously done lots of, lots of crazy things. And Harry, uh, ex-military, he was the tip of the spear. He led 45 helicopter raids during his time in the Royal Marine Commandos in the Army. He was a British Army officer. So...
1: So when I'm saying you're assembling this group of motivational speakers. The
0: Avengers. Yeah, (laughs) the Avengers.
1: How is it going to work with interacting with you know people like us and people listening today, the corporates you were talking about who've got the staff retention problem? How what's that connection piece, Sam? So
0: we've got three tranches to this business. We've got the inspirational speakers. So we can come along and do an ad hoc talk, be it at an ADGM, a random event after dinner, whatever it is. And I can basically pick and choose a speaker for, for whichever event it is, just to suit. So if somebody wants an economist, somebody wants somebody to focus on sustainability, military, whatever it is. The second tranche is then the corporate program. So I've teamed up with Tess Pereira, who's an award-winning psychologist. Absolutely amazing lady. So the concept there is that we'll go in, we'll talk about our amazing experiences, all these ultra-endurance athletes who have done these crazy things. And then Tess can talk about the clinical side of that and how it's best applied in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So the concept here is then to get... Staff um, engaged, motivated, and get them to set goals beyond their beliefs. And then we'll come back every week, quarter, month, whatever the corporate wants, with a new speaker, with Tess as well. And we'll keep the staff engaged and keep motivated. Yeah. And then the end of the year, we'll have a celebratory dinner for that company and say, you know, Joe blogs and accounts, Doris in whatever you know, they've all done these amazing things this year. Let's get them up and celebrate them and talk about the skills they've learnt and how they're transferable back to their 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 corporate life. Yeah.
1: We have got in the studio this afternoon Sam Morris from Endurance Excel. <laughs> He's completed the Marathon de Sable, recently rode 5,000 kilometres across the Atlantic Ocean. We're talking ultra-endurance expeditions, Ironman endurances, and more than 20 years of corporate experience in the professional services sector. Sam Morris is in the studio, and he's recently set up Endurance Excel. This is a platform of motivational speakers such as himself, who can work in a range of ways with individuals like us, of course, but also going into corporations and turning workforce and hopefully mindset around, I find it really interesting that companies are starting to realise, obviously, company morale and staff retention is really important, but they wouldn't do that unless it impacted the bottom line.
0: No, so obviously taking on new staff is obviously a huge cost um, for companies. So, um, they're now looking at it uh, very heavily. In particular, the youngsters coming in, so the Gen Zs and the... Uh, um, what, what's the one up from that? What oh, I we? Forget. We're, we're millennials, uh, I think. No, we're like a micro-generation. Are we? I can't remember what it's called now. We're like a sort of analogue... Oh, I mean, uh, I'm wearing an analog watch right now. Yeah, and then a digital adulthood oh, or something like that. not know. Yeah, I, Yeah, yeah. So, so the youngsters now, they've got different values to mm-hmm. us. Uh, um, um, yeah, by us, I mean us oldies. and um, <laughs>
1: Elder millennials. <laughs> exactly.
0: And they want more from their companies. They want to make sure that their company aligns with their values. They want to feel valued and appreciated. My uh, first few jobs, you know, I wasn't part of the bigger picture. I was a cog in a big machine. I didn't feel valued or appreciated. So this is something now that companies are looking at. And this is where my new company can then come in. And help help the staff engage with the company, make them feel valued and appreciated. Talking
1: yeah. earlier about some of the names from award-winning psychologists to Guinness World Record holders. Anyone else you think we should know about? And by the way, for number of you asking for the details, it's Insurance XL XL. I'm just trying to think I'd put this, uh, not two E's. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if you send me the word Excel, I'll send you the link. Yeah,
0: like endurance X XL. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah,
1: tell us a little bit more about other people that you've got in the Oh, in I've the got ranks. a massive
0: list. Who else can I think about? Um, Dr. Chris Payne's a very interesting character. Who's he? So Chris is one of the foremost economists in the region. He's quite often on the Business, M- Breakfast. Business <laughs> Breakfast. He's on CNBC, he's on Bloomberg, CNN, etc. So Chris has got a very interesting journey. He spent 15 years as an investment banker and then he then became an economist. But whilst he was an investment banker, he Was whining and dining too much, became almost morbidly obese. He wrote a book called The Economist Diet. Uh, It got published, Uh, he lost a lot of weight He now runs, he does triathlons and stuff like that
1: Applying the numbers in a different way
0: So Chris can come along to my talks He can come along and give a macro, micro, econ overview As well as a sectoral overview Not just in the UAE, across the Gulf So I can bring him along to presentations now And that's a massive value add He can talk about his fitness journey as well I think
1: that's what's really important I think We think a lot lot about people And I'm going to include you in this Because I think of you being a very sporty person But for, for the vast majority of people the thought of climbing a mountain or rowing this or doing that feels like something that other people do. And if you've got people who have had their own struggles, it makes us so more, much more relatable. I think a lot of fitness professionals have never really felt that gym anxiety that a lot of people have, especially this time of year. You know, signing up for a gym is one thing. You know, Putting your trainers on and getting in that space is absolutely downright terrifying for an awful lot of people. So the more relatable, I think, that's what's really motivating for me. You know, someone who has had to overcome struggles and probably lack of motivation as well. And that's why I wanted to ask about you. You know, when you've got a challenge in mind, you've got a date looming on those days where you're like, you know what? I really can't be bothered. I just want to stay in bed. What advice would you give to someone who's perhaps setting those kind of mental obstacles?
0: Uh, yeah, like I love my sleeping. I'm an expert sleeper. <laughs> I would put that on my CV if I could. Um, but yeah, like my alarm goes off. I set about ten alarms. People have different theories about this. Some people say get up as soon as the alarm goes off. I have set about ten alarms. <laughs> most mornings, <laughs> Thank my you <laughs> most mornings my dogs wake me up anyway for a, for a walk. Uh, I just get up and go. But also, it's about accountability. So one of the things I learned was try not to do it on your own. Mm. Get a really really good coach, a good support network. So to tea from disc who's the owner of disc tomorrow Gazzi she is absolutely incredible her and her team have basically looked after me kept me going throughout every uh, uh sort of endurance events i've sort of ever done so I, w- I highly recommend getting a really good coach a really good physio really good chiropractor uh, really good motivators corporate mentors therapists etc just get everyone together and then you'll get there
1: yeah. um Joe was i'm um, asking um what do you think about getting over pain now you mentioned you broke your toe oh, day three of marathon yeah. de and you know if you are in a race, if you are in an event, and you, you know before this you know can be huge costs involved. There's teams around you, yeah. and unexpected injuries. You know they do happen, especially if you're tired. How? Any advice on overcoming pain or, I guess, perception of pain? Yes,
0: yeah, so pain's only in the mind. <laughs> uh, and that's something I've learned. Again, it's about building up that mental toughness. You build it up and build it up and you start to learn, actually, that your body will adapt. It's your mind that will break first. So, again, on the MDS, I broke a toe. On the row, uh, we, there's horrible sort sores. You get claw hands where you can't open your fingers. Like because cramps. No, no literally, the, 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 the tendons run in sheaths and the synovial fluid in the sheaths dries up because you're um, rowing 12 to 14 hours a day. So you're gripping the oars, so as soon as you come (laughs) off the oars... Your fingers lock, your hands lock because there's no fluid in the joints in the sheaths. So, again, it takes you five to 10 minutes before each uh, rowing shift to get your fingers moving again. Stop. Yeah, but it's interesting because you do these events, and whilst you're in the moment, you don't think about the pain. You just think about the goal. You've got that um, um, that mindset to get to the finish, mm. and you've trained so hard for it, so you get there. But as soon as you've finished, you then go, ow. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then the yeah. adrenaline kicks in, yeah, and you adrenaline. get your medal, yeah. and you get to post it on Instagram. That, 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 um,
1: it. What about luxuries that you've packed for some of these trips? We know there's stories about people snapping their toothbrushes in half so they've got more space in their pack on Marathon you know all of that kind of stuff what about the luxuries what makes you feel like a little bit of home a little bit of a bit of a comfort
0: it really varies depending on the race. I mean, on the uh, boat, we took some, some hops with us. Uh, we um, we also had um, like funny uh, like Christmas mankinis, things like this. So, <laughs> so again, it's all things just to try and distract yourself. <laughs> uh,
1: Pretty distracting, I would imagine. Yeah, the,
0: uh, the, the, there was a leak, actually. One of our photos of the Christmas mankinis got sent out to a news agency in, in the UK.
1: Is it on, is available on the internet now? Uh,
0: I don't probably. know. Probably. But I was on the front page of uh, a northern newspaper in the UK wearing a Christmas mankini <laughs> which wasn't covering everything. Put it that way. <laughs> the family's so proud. Yeah, man, yeah I know it's terrible. <laughs>
1: but, and what about snacks?
0: Snacks, yes. Yeah. So, so on the Atlantic, um, we were consuming around five, five and a half thousand calories a day, oh. which is the maximum your body can really absorb. But uh, we were expending around seven to eight a day. On an wow! Or, yeah, How much
1: weight did you lose?
0: I lost eleven kg in, in the- thirty-eight days. Yeah, I've got some great photos. They're on my Instagram, et cetera. Before and yeah, after. Before and after photos, yeah. I, but
1: I'm guessing you must have gained some weight in beard.
0: Uh, yeah, big yeah. beard, big beard. <laughs> and also the, the two months before, you spend two years getting to the start line. And then the, the sort of two months before, you start carb loading heavily. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really fun. You just eat and drink everything you can get your hands on. And so you really bulk up.
1: Um, we've run out of time, Sam. I haven't no. run out of questions for you, though. Um, but for anyone that does want to find out more about, obviously, you and the panel yeah. of—I mean, I really mean the, the the group that you've assembled here to inspire people. You know, through the online, you know, platform as well, but but mostly in person. Because I feel like it's it's. It's really meaningful to, to see someone kind of really talk about their passion. Um, what's the best way of getting in touch with you guys? Obviously, booking, yeah. a, you know, HR and managers, finding out more. How can people contact you? So
0: endurancexl.com is the website. Uh, we've also got an Instagram, endurancexl. So it's endurancexcel.com. Endurancexl.com. Also, you can go to my private Instagram, which is Desert Adventurer.
1: There you go. If you want those details, you can send me the word Excel. I will send you the link. As I said, even if it's just reading about what some of these amazing people have done or you want to take it a step further, meet them, book them. Um, it's a great thing to start the year off. Sam Morris, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for last me. question. What's your next plan? Apart from obviously starting a business as a, as a, as a challenge and a mission, uh, what about the next physical challenge?
0: I'm potentially looking at another ocean and I'm also looking at a, uh, um, like a multi stage ultra as well. He never stops.
1: So. Sam Morris from Endurance Excel. Joining us in studio, Jay Adrian Tolentino, aka Kuya Jay. He's a financial literacy advocate, an independent financial coach. He's based here in Dubai. Um, helping everyone, but specializing in the Filipino community, and is on hand to help. I've already had questions about no spend challenges, about a nanny who's got into trouble with um, loans. Mm-hmm. Um so we are we're taking some questions, Jay. We're happy to help out everyone listening today, right?
3: Yes, I'm so excited and Happy New Year, Helen. We can say that. We haven't seen each other in 2024 (laughs) yet.
1: Happy New Year to you. Now, I'm not expecting to be surprised by your answer to this, but what are some Mm -hmm. of the common challenges you hear from people in January?
3: January is that they started their year with debts because, of course, the holiday spending, they borrowed so much money just to give to their loved ones. And of course, they're still challenging. They're still challenged with budgeting and saving. They don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And one of the I just had a coaching session this past weekend, and one of the challenges is where does my fourteen thousand groceries food go? That's one of the challenges. One of the person I coach.
1: Sorry, how how (laughs) much? (laughs) It's a lot of food.
3: Fourteen thousand for groceries and food in a month. In a month. That's what. That's one of our challenges. We're
1: not on Facebook Live, but my jaw just dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So I think that's. But that speaks to an interesting point, which is understanding where your money goes and why. Mm -hmm. You know, and and being really honest yes. with yourself. That's so true. Um, which is not very easy because a lot of us are just like, I'm just going to not check that statement and mm-hmm. everything's fine until someone's knocking on the door, uh, which is not... It's It was really bad for your sleep. It's really bad for your stress <laughs> levels and it's really bad for your future as well. But we're not just about kind of telling people off today. We want, we want everyone to feel a bit empowered and a bit more confident sure. about their finances going forward. Can I ask you... Um, Jay, why are you dedicating your life's work to helping other people with their money? What's your big why and motivation?
3: My biggest why is because when I personally experienced m- my money problems, debts being being scammed, not understanding where my money goes, spending half of my income on shoes that depreciate in, in value. <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> and then I keep wondering why I have no savings. And then when I look when I look around, I have my entire... Uh, room with feel of shoes. That yeah.
1: hits me hard, to be honest, because I'm wearing one of I, what I would say is maybe ten navy and white striped t-shirts <laughs> that are in my wardrobe. Um, I have a bit of a dress problem, so I'm going to try and sp- I don't need any skincare. I don't need any dresses. Mm-hmm. So for the next few months, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to unsubscribe to all of those crafty marketing emails. Okay. So then, you know that when I'm feeling yes, a yes, bit tired and vulnerable. A lot of them. So many of them, I mean, they must work. people are doubling down on their email marketing, but yeah, mm-hmm. I am planning to ignore you for the next <laughs> for the next few months um, I mean maybe that is evidence of of some kind of habits that you know we can start to put in place that can directly impact our finances, so I guess making it less easy to spend money would, mm-hmm. that, would that be a good thing? What are some other habits that you think when you know when it comes to people? coming to you, you were going into into companies, you know, working with nannies as you do. Mm-hmm. Some habits that directly impact not only what we earn, but how we spend and what's in the pot.
3: Well, some one of the most basic and often overlooked habit is the tracking of their net worth and expenses. Um, many of those people who are lost with their finances is because they don't even know where they are. And understanding what your net worth is, the total assets, total the total things that you own and the total things that you owe is your net worth. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know where your starting point is, then you don't know where you're headed. Yeah, you can't improve what you don't measure. Yes, exactly. Okay. You can improve what you can't measure. And then not tracking their day to day spending. Because if you just unconsciously spend on things, then that's a big, big problem that you'll be facing in the future. And then there's this problem with buy now, pay later programs. I'm sorry if I had to say that, but a lot of people are not so really well-versed or skillful in spending that they eventually lose their their money towards the end of the month. And then once the money's gone, then they opt for borrowing or credit. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, one of the habits that's not being um, practiced a lot by a lot of expats is investing. They don't Know how to invest, they get confused because of the numbers, the charts, and all those stuff. The jargon. <laughs> the jargons. But in reality, investing is so easy. And those basic financial uh, skills are the ones that's gonna compound over time. And you'll just look back 10, 20 years since you started working in, in Dubai. Where did my money oh, my go? How come I sick. even I even oh, how come I haven't saved or invested any amount? Mm-hmm. Right so those are just some of the um common um uh, habits that are often neglected by many expats
1: However I think it's really important to state that it's never too late. It's never too late. It, re- it genuinely isn't. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you are 25 or 55, to be, mm. you know, putting some things in place. That's what we're talking about next. Some easy wins on the financial front. We're going to be going to the text line as well. Jess is saying, any advice on a no spend challenge? Bryony's been in touch on behalf of a friend whose nanny's got into a spot of bother acting as a guarantor on some friends' loans. Uh, yeah. Kuya is in the studio. He has already talked to us about tracking your net worth, budgeting, of course, avoiding those buy now, pay later schemes and saving up for unexpected expenses. Something I sh- should have done recently. I had a bit of a, is there anything more boring than spending money on tyres? I don't think so. Jay Adrian Tolentino, a.k.a. Kuya is in the studio. He's an independent financial coach. Helps everyone in the city, but does specialize in the Filipino community. And we are going to go to the text line in just a few minutes. Um, you think that mind, body, soul, and even relationships mm. have an impact on our finances. Why is that, Jay?
3: Yeah, for sure. Let me give you one example. It's more about health. That's why health is wealth, right? There's this person that I know who was really doing really well when he was in his young adult life. And then unfortunately, he had this bad eating habit. His diet is so at the worst level, like mm-hmm. he loves sugar, he loves fatty food. And then when he turned, uh, before he turned 40, he had, di- he had been diagnosed with diabetes. When he turned 45, 43, he had his first open heart surgery. Gosh. And at the time, his wife had to use their home as a collateral to pay for the bills. When he turned 55, he had his second open heart surgery. When he turned sixty three, he had his leg amputated because of the complications of diabetes, and all the things that he worked for all throughout his life was lost because of the uh, because of the medical bills mm-hmm. and each time he experiences medical problems, his family experiences financial problems and then it leads to emotional problems as
1: mm-hmm. well. Uh, I mean, the implications. I mean, we're lucky here in terms of medical insurance, but certainly when it comes to hidden costs or things that aren't covered, yeah. but also I- impacting your ability to earn. You yeah. know, if, if you if you get to that point.
3: And you know how 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 I know that story well. He's my father.
1: Oh my gosh, Jay.
3: Yeah, and that's the reason why I'm. That's why I'm so passionate in teaching financial literacy. It's because the things that I teach. Are the things that I personally experienced, mm-hmm. and I don't it. want people to experience that as well.
1: Oh goodness me, Joe. It's um, that's it brings it home, doesn't yeah, it? To see it that, but then that's but isn't that interesting that we learn so much from our parents in terms of our our mindset, our psychology about money, how we've you know. You, I think you're right about relationships as well. Mm. You know, it's, it's an incredible factor to think about our earning potential but also our spending yeah. being so dependent on the person that we choose to spend our lives that's with. That's true, that's you know, true. You know, if you're, if you're married, and I, I mean this both ways, if you're married to someone who is very, very frugal <laughs> and, you know, loves to save money and maybe doesn't enjoy life that much, on the converse side, you know, you know really financially irresponsible mm. it's got we know it will affect you we as know well. how many people break up yeah. you know we, we know the divorce rate is around 40 percent because of money issues so much of that is so money issues can we go to the text line um jess is saying any advice on a no spend challenge how do you feel about hmm. no spend challenges first
3: it depends on how much you can really save up but for me it's not about the amount it's about the habit that you are building over time Mm -hmm. let's say it's no spend for 52 weeks let's say 50 dirhams. that's that's 2600 a year right if it's one dirham, it's fine what's important for me is that you you keep on saving any amount that you can because it's always about those small savings that you save up every week that builds up over time
1: i think with no spend challenges what they can be really useful for is just making you take a bit of an inventory on what you are spending. Yeah. Like you know, we've talked about this before in terms of spending consciously. Yeah. True. I don't I enjoy going down at lunchtime and getting <laughs> my little Coke Zero. I that you know, that's my little pre show thing. Yeah. Um I could I bring one in from home? Sure, but would I get mm. to see the lovely guys downstairs? No. no. <laughs> um but I think when you're doing a no spend challenge and you start to think about every time you tap your card, you tap your phone, you, mm. you buy something online and you're like, oh and if, you, if it makes you pause, then maybe it'll change your pa- yeah. behavior, behavior down the line. Um, as I said, Jay, you, you know, you're a really important pillar in the Filipino community when it comes to advocating to do with educating as well. And Bryony's been in touch saying, I'm asking on behalf of a friend. Mm-hmm. Her nanny recently told me that she thought she was helping a friend by acting as a guarantor on a loan she hasn't paid the loan and now the loan shock is saying the nanny needs to pay. Mm, She's really scared she doesn't have the money. From what I understand she signed something saying she was the guarantor but it wasn't official.
4: Can
3: Mm. that loan
1: be enforced? Should she speak to the embassy? She's obviously really scared.
3: That is so sad. Now you see why relationships also influence our finances. It's because the nanny probably doesn't want to disappoint her friends Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to be in that situation. But because of love and companionship probably for her friends. She did that. And it's so unfortunate that she had to experience this, but um, she has to check with the terms and conditions of the loan shark because sometimes these guys are trained to just stress you out, even if it's not really true, right? So I think the first thing that she has to do is to really get those documents from the loan shark and the documents that she signed, read it, in every line that uh, she can, mm-hmm. and seek for legal advice. There are there are um, those who give free legal advice in terms of debt yes. in the Filipino community. Bonnie. Is- his name is Barney Almazar. He's
1: a legend, Barney. He is, okay. Yes. Do you know what? I'll I'll track Barney down, and we've also got Tenji Moya joining us after four o'clock today, Briony. So I'll put this question to her off air as well. Um, it's also worth bearing in mind that that loan shark could very well be committing an offence themselves. You yes. know, it's, it is it is illegal for an individual to lend money on an on interest to another. Mm. Uh, you know, you need to be a licensed bank or a financial yes. institution. So she hopefully is more covered than you think. Um, so. OK, let's talk. Let's talk some really actionable things <laughs> that okay. people can do tonight, mm-hmm. can do this week, can do during, during January to really set themselves up. And I'm talking about things like, you know, automating payments into yeah. savings. What, what things can people be doing tonight to really feel like they're taking, taking control with two hands?
3: Yeah, automating personal finance is the first thing that they can do. It, it makes it easy for them to save money. But I also want to highlight the importance of continuous learning in terms of personal finance. And that's why I want to incorporate reading as a new habit that they have to do in, in this year. Probably you cannot read an entire book for one month, but you can do a, Do that in one year. Mm-hmm. You can read one page a day. It's fine. Because that's already one book, like 250 per yeah. Book is the pages, right? Doable.
1: What are some of your favorites? What should we having on our bedside tables or uh, yeah, on the sun lounger?
3: My favorite right now is Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Timeless piece of advice in terms of money, and then he has a new one, same as ever. It's good. Ramit Sethi's book. It's also good. Which is, I, will, I, teach you I, I will teach you to be, how to be rich.
1: Oh, by the way, guys, if you haven't got time to read, you, you could watch Robert yes. Sethy on, on Netflix. And also I listened to the author of Psychology of Money on Diary of a CEO recently. Mm. So a, a, good, a good listen as yeah, well. If it is. I listened to that episode if, as well. If that's more doable to listen to something in the car or yes. the metro, then, you know, as, as you say, it's just a choice to keep educating yes. yourself, isn't it?
3: And to help them, uh, there's this framework that uh, James Clear has mentioned in his book, Atomic Habits, The Four Laws of uh, Behavioral Change. It's uh, O A E C O O A E S. make it obvious, number one, Mm -hmm. make it attractive, number two, number three is make it easy, and number four is to make it satisfying. So to build that habit, you have to have those four things because it is also linked to the uh, CCRQ, craving, response, and reward habit loop by uh, Charles Dewey. I so think it's, it's good its to point.
1: have a fiction and a non-fiction on the go <laughs> at all times. And as you say, it doesn't it doesn't need to sit on your bedside yeah. table and kind of glare at you going, you haven't read me. And then you're failing. En- you just, enjoy
3: your favourite cup of coffee exactly. while reading to make it satisfying.
1: But make the coffee yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or don't if that's how you're choosing to spend your money. Master is saying, I've given myself a no takeaway challenge for this ah. year. So far, so good. Yeah. That's I, good for your health as well. Huh? It, is a good, it is a good one. I need to start bringing in more leftovers. What are your financial goals or intentions for the year ahead, Ah, uh,
3: For this year is, of course, uh, my wife is giving birth next month. So for sure, it's going to be the entire baby fund for the year. It's already done. They're so. money
1: sponges, Jay. They're absolute money sponges, those little things. They're small, but my <laughs> goodness, they they take a, they'll take a big hit. Yeah. But there are some, we'll, we'll talk off air about this. <laughs> I think enjoy every minute. Ah, thank you. For anyone that wants your details, by the way, and this can be for individual financial coaching, but you also yeah. go into communities and help nannies, you go into corporations and yes. work with Philippine employees as well. What's the best way of getting in touch with you? Uh,
3: right now, you can contact me on Instagram or LinkedIn and uh, just DM me. I'll give you this revised budgeting and network tracking app that I've used Oh, for the start of the year. I simplified my, my, uh, my template that uh, you can use immediately. And yeah. what
1: is the Instagram?
3: It's Jay Adrian Tolentino. That's my go. full name. <laughs> there you go. If you want to, set,
1: let's, let's, let's manifest. Send me the word money and I will send you Jay's details. He's a certified financial coach, financial educator, um, and some great resources on that website. Well, Thank you so much, Jay. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Helen. Speak soon. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: With House & House, 10 years of unlocking opportunities in Dubai real estate.
1: Who doesn't love a good reality TV show? Then you throw in a bit of Dubai glamour and that little sense of looking behind the scenes of some of the best properties in town. Dubai Hustle is back on UK screen, season three, following agents starting out and establishing their real estate careers. And we've got the stars with us in the studio from House and House in Dubai, Jessica and Chris in the studio. This is a factual entertainment show, the glamorous but, yes, often cutthroat world of real estate. Jessica, how are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm really well. Lovely to meet you. And Chris, how's it going?
5: Yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Is it a bit surreal to see yourself on TV, Chris? Uh, Well, I've done it now season one, two, and three. Wow. So, so no. No, not just really. Just used to it. With it's weird not to
1: be on TV. It
5: can be a bit cringy watching yourself back, <laughs> uh, especially listening to yourself in the TV. Oh, welcome to my world. What about you, Jessica? Is this season one
1: for you? Is it, how, how long have you been involved in the show?
4: Yeah, I was just new on the latest series, Series 3, so I'm a new addition. First time I've ever been on a TV series before.
1: What was it like to be <laughs> approached and to think about, actually, yeah, this is something that I want to do. Yeah,
4: you know, I was getting a lot of FOMO because I was seeing the producers around the office i heard about the show i knew about it getting hired and i didn't know if i wanted to do it and then i just said
1: i should do it it's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun let's do it and it looks like a lot of fun and you know in terms of obviously the interactions the chance to you know show that side of dubai i mean some of the properties my goodness are absolutely jaw dropping but tell me about a little bit about well you've been doing it you know Three times now, Chris. What about that filming schedule? Can you, what What is the reality of filming a show like Dubai Hustle?
5: Well, to be honest, it's literally day one. They come in with all their cameras and it's just like, right, what's happening in your life? It's quite daunting because there's no plan. It's, it's all factual. It's literally mm-hmm. our lives. What's happening? Following you. There's no script, basically. So you sometimes sit back and you're like, right... Uh, I live a boring life. I'm going to have to
2: make something
5: up here. Uh, But to us, it might seem, you know, every day, you know, but to other people, they see it completely different, Got out in viewings and, I mean, it looks great on the TV, you know, I was pulling up my car. uh, But
1: I always think about, well, I'm going to ask you about this, Jessica, the high heel situation because uh, there are many kind of property show and I'm like you're walking down some very high steps wearing very high heels and I just worry about people twisting ankles. Is it as glamorous as it looks? I mean, you get used to wearing heels. I genuinely wear heels every day in the office,
4: almost every single day. And so I get used to it, right? And I don't wear any heels. I'm not confident walking in that I might fall in, mm-hmm. you know? Have there so, been any
1: mishaps when filming season three?
4: Um, Not really. Just a few yeah. odd times in the parking lot, you know, if there's a
5: cobblestone, <laughs> <laughs> get a little chipped heel action. Yes, me got yell Today, I actually did ask him to carry me. Then she jumped on my back
4: because the
1: cobblestone's outside. I was like, I'm gonna ruin my Valentinos. <laughs> this is the stuff I'm talking about the real behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, so in terms of how long does it take to film a season, what, what tell us about the latest one season three of Dubai Hustle? What, how long is it in the making and then? You know, seeing it on screen after how many months, weeks? Well,
5: yeah, it was, I think, what, three, four months?
1: Almost four months,
4: yeah. Yeah,
5: almost four months. So it, was, it takes up a lot of your time yeah. and obviously it adds to the stress of your work and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a multitude of things that you don't actually realise. Um, and, you know, the, there's nothing to it, really. It's you our cam- life.
1: But you, you forget the cameras are there? Did you feel like day one, oh, gosh, you feel really self-conscious and by the end... Yeah, yeah, but
5: that's what I was going to say. It just becomes part of, like, what you're doing and... I mean, sometimes they might have to do a second take. You know, if you we laugh too much. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a hard thing when C-creasing you get the giggles.
1: Up. It's um, it must be strange to think of, especially you know, for you, you know with being shown on UK, on UK screens. Um, so how real are the storylines? Mm.
5: Very, very. I mean, it all looks very dramatic on the TV. And you know, they've got these fantastic cameras and all these angles, and it looks like Jess, very glamorous, but. The
4: slow mo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The the hair flipping. The sunglasses. Yeah.
5: Yeah. But I mean, in terms of the actual reality, everything you watch on the TV is us, it's all happening. There's there's all truth behind it. There was Mm -hmm. nothing that the producers say to us. That is a script go ahead go ahead Well that's what I wanted to ask um ask both of you but Jessica to you in
1: particular now um you know, do you feel like there's a pressure to, to be more dramatic, to be extra, and do you worry about how you might be perceived on screen in the edit, which you don't have any control over? Um,
4: not really. I mean, that was my initial thing with the show is what if they make me into the villain or something with the editing, you know? But, but- Christina's the best one on selling sunset. <laughs>
1: exactly.
4: <laughs> we, miss we miss her. We miss her. So I think overall, I mean, you just have to have fun with it and just be yourself, you know. And I tried to be myself as much as possible on camera. I mean, Sometimes you might be nervous about something, but I mean, I had a great time and I think it
1: came out really, really well. Any conflict on the show? I don't want to say spoiler alert because it's only just gone into UK, but you know, have there been any issues on camera off camera whether it's with colleagues or even clients definitely there is a main (laughs) conflict in the
4: series you'll have to stay tuned and watch okay it was
1: yeah
4: it wasn't really with us though we were pretty Uh, we
5: were pretty much entangled in it but we weren't the main characters of that Um, yeah can i
1: ask you a personal question just did it take a while to understand Chris's accent? You know, at first
5: it did a little
1: <laughs> bit. I was I was really polite
4: with Chris a lot of the time. I, I was like, hmm, 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 smile, smile, smile. Yeah, smile, smile, smile. But mm-hmm. you just you just get to know him, you know, throughout the filming, throughout working Sorry. together. And uh, it's My, okay. my father
1: knows uh, Glaswegian, but I, it took it took me a little while. I
5: get it all the time in Dubai, um, but it's good. People warm up to you, yeah, and of I slow it down.
1: Yeah,
4: just ease into it. And, you know, we just get used to each other being around in the office and I'm not used to this accent being from Canada. Right. Mm. So I'm used to it now, though. I I don't need subtitles
1: anymore when I watch them on the on the on the the telly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jessica, in terms of kind of zooming out from the show and working in real estate in general, what is it that you love about the industry and, and your job in particular that, you know, keeps that enthusiasm and keeps that feel good? Yeah, I mean, you get to see
4: some beautiful, incredible, amazing properties. It's such a good opportunity right now in Dubai. It's such a good, strong market. It seems like there's only more and more people moving here. And it's really nice to be a part of also helping people find their first home in Dubai. You know, you're matching families with what community is best for them. And you're kind of like being a part of that new Dubai dream they're entering, you know. So what areas are you specializing in yourself right now? So I'm in al right now, Whoa. which I, I love it. It's Whoa.
1: beautiful. Season four is going to be even <laughs>
4: Fancier. Yes, yes. <laughs> Beginning of the show, you see me starting out in Mira in Dubai land. It's family townhomes. Yeah. Great place to start as an agent, you know, kind of blossoming and getting my skill set developed. And I've since moved over to Albarari and I'm loving it so far.
1: What about you, Chris? You're more
4: off plan. Is that right?
5: Yeah, so I've just recently moved into off plan, maybe three, four months. So on the show, you'll see me and the resale side of things. Same as Jess. Just um, I specialised in emirates living. Again, family, community. Yeah, fantastic. We've had a message here from
1: <laughs> from, from Russ saying, um, ask them about sweating in suits in the summer. This is something I think about an wow. awful... Uh, wow. I think yes. about this a lot.
5: I honestly do. It's uh, incredible. It is incredible <laughs> in the heat. Like, honestly, <laughs> right? My shirts are always white. Always white. See in the middle of summer when you're in a vacant property with a client and they ask you a million questions. No, do you want. <laughs> No, do you want. It's 50 degrees. I come out of it and I'm, it's transparent. Yeah. I'm, I'm sticking to everything that I
1: thought. I always feel the people that have to wear suits because I do the drop off in the morning. And I'm like, put on the waftiest cotton dress. Yeah. You know, leggings and a t-shirt. And then I see people, you know, men and women going off to work at even eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I can see your sweat stains there. That does not seem. Yeah. Is, is, is there something you've had? I mean, I don't know when the filming is. Are they sensitive to Dubai climate, Jessica?
4: I mean, towards the end, it was still four months, so we were we were getting quite hot. We oh. were getting hot when the filming was wrapping, mm-hmm. and you know there was a particular outfit. I remember it was a wool blend suit, a thick one.
5: Might I add? Sp- and I really like regret. it. I
4: really regretted. Like we had to keep stopping so I could powder my face, honestly, and just take breathers. Chris, same.
5: Oh, Absolutely. I have to get Jess to do my makeup at the end of it.
1: (laughs) Do you know what, guys? It's so nice to think about colleagues. And I know, as you said, there's going to be conflict. And who doesn't love watching a little bit of Sparks fly? But people who genuinely really love their jobs, like that's what we enjoy seeing. You know, that kind of banter, that interaction. The glamour of the homes is Mm -hmm. absolute cherry on top. What was your best moment of the season? What can we look forward to, Jessica, in particular? You're like, oh, I can't wait for people to see.
4: What? I think, I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite moments probably was when I was in Talalo Gaff showing off that new community. That was a really, really beautiful. It was the show villa there. It's gorgeous. I loved my pink suit that I wore as well. (laughs) (laughs) And It just showed a little bit more of my personality as well, I think, for the audience. Um, I really enjoyed that. What about you, Chris?
5: I loved being involved in all the drama, to be honest. <laughs> Just staring at
4: the pots.
5: Oh, I absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, look, in the show, it was very feisty at one point, we can say. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of a head-to-head. I loved being in the middle of it. and I mean, me and Jess, we were sort of together. and It was like, who's going to come out and talk sort of thing. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Oh, yeah, there, there was
4: definitely some office tension after that. Oh, my yeah, goodness. I mean,
5: you see it on the cameras how it plays out. But behind the scenes, I mean, there was probably more drama behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, I, I wish we could have captured
1: it all. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know like below deck, but, you know, like properly. Well, should, do they follow you on nights outs and things like that? Or is it purely professional?
4: They wanted to keep it quite professional, that's I think. I
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're representing the company after all. Yeah, good point. I mean, Well, that's
1: what I wanted to ask you. You know, we know how transient Dubai is as a city in terms of moving between companies, moving between countries. Anyone that was on the cast part of House & House that's no longer there. Is that definitely. the Definitely. Yeah. I think um, all I can say really is the strong have survived. Oh, <laughs> Darwinism <laughs> at its finest in the Dubai real estate oh, market. Like <laughs> and then looking ahead, I just want to kind of pick your brains. Uh, looking ahead to 2024. What are you excited about the Dubai property scene? Any predictions? Where should we be looking at it off plan, Chris, in particular?
5: Yeah, so I mean, right now, January, it's 2024. It's This is the most exciting part of the year for me because a lot of people always predict or oh, end of the year, you know, the way it's been going, end of the year, prices are going to drop, mm. drop. There's going to be a correction, you know, these sort of things. Um, so it's good to, to know who's right and who's wrong at this point. I think it's going to be a more mature market now i think a lot of people will agree with me i don't think anyone will disagree uh dubai's becoming you know more sustainable yeah uh, in hopefully. that sense so i think off plan if you're looking at investments it depends on your budget but villas and townhouses demand is huge supply is low that's where we should be looking
1: all right jessica mm. for you we're all heading to Barari.
4: Yeah, loving it. There's a lot of buyer interest in that area. Price per square foot compared to a lot of the other luxury communities in Dubai is still relatively low, so it's a great opportunity for investors. Getting schools
1: around there as well. Yeah, great schools.
4: Great schools, schools, restaurants. It's just a beautiful green. One of the greenest communities in the UAE. My kids call it Jurassic Park whenever we drive in. it's fantastic. fantastic. It's like a oasis every time I enter.
1: Guys, thank you so much, Jessica and Chris, the stars of Dubai House. They are here, as you said. Only the strong survive. It's on. It's on UK if so You've got a cheeky VPN, or indeed, you're heading home anytime soon. You can be checking out. Really appreciate your time, guys. Thank you so so much. Thank you. And Thank yeah, you. keep us keep us in the loop about season four because I can tell more drama, more glamour. It's all going to be happening. Got the team from House and House in the studio. Welcome to the show. If you've just tuned in, it is your weekly legal clinic and turning our attention today to employment law. Fantastic to be joined live in the studio by Tenji Moyo, partner and head of employment practice at Gately LLP. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. Thank you for having me.
1: What's, uh, what's popping? What's happening in employment law in 2024 so far? Oh, it's always busy with the
2: latest updates, keeping it exciting.
1: Good. Well, I tell you what, we're going to be busy over the course of the next hour and have a chat with Tenji. You should just get straight to the text line because I've got an awful lot of messages. One here asking actually if we could do this as soon as possible. So I'm thinking someone might be in the car. Um, Saying one of our employees does freelance work in his free time, leaving him often very tired to do his actual job with us. Mm -hmm. I've spoken to him a few times about this and he refuses to stop the freelance work, saying he needs the money. What are my options for dealing with this within the mainland Dubai labour law?
2: Um, if you're the primary employer, what you can do is make sure that there's an exclusivity clause in your employment contract, which basically um, obligates the employer to only work for that employment. Um, If, however, you have given an NOC a non-objective certificate for them to freelance, then, you know, they're actually able to do the freelance work. However, if you feel that it is impacting duties, goals, um, you know, targets, then you would need to go through some sort of disciplinary process and say you're not hitting your targets um, and we need to put in corrective measures to to rectify that.
1: I've heard this come up in... Um, situations where nannies and, and home workers are doing extra work at weekends as well mm-hmm. and then being too tired during the week. And I think there's a legal issue for that as someone who might be sponsoring that lady. Is that the case?
2: Yeah, I think that is the case. Um, with nannies, domestic workers, they really are only supposed to work for their sponsor. Um, now, you find that on weekends and free time, a lot of nannies... Um, go and work illegally without the correct approval for other employers. And if they get hurt or there's some issues, then then you might find the primary sponsor is in trouble. Um, even where someone is working on a freelancer contract, you should still get the correct approval. So mm. you can have um, someone working part-time in two places with the correct approval, and that's how you do it legally. And just to come back to this message
1: about um, an employee doing freelance work on
2: the side, um
1: what how can they do that legally let's say let's say you know a they've got an noc from this employer which it doesn't sound like they have it sounds like approval is not firmly not given would they need to have a freelance license in order to make money on the side or would their their labor card their visa visa cover them for that
2: yeah so they would either have to have um a freelance um Trade uh, trade license and so forth Um, but what you can get is an NOC from your primary employer and then you get another work permit for your part-time employer. So you effectively have two employers, um, but that arrangement needs to be dealt with um, carefully. If your contract, so a lot of contracts will have exclusivity to say actually you only work for us Mm -hmm. unless we give permission to do so. Um, So in that case, not. So to this listener, check the contract. Yeah.
1: If you have given an NOC don't really have a leg to stand on?
2: Well, no, not really. I mean, if they're not hitting their targets and uh, their duties are failing, then they must still go through a disciplinary process. So if someone is too tired, if your duties are A, B, C, and those duties are not being fulfilled, then you start a di- disciplinary process, warning letters, and ultimately, if they don't improve, then um, you would consider termination. Tanji Mori with us this is in the studio today talking employment law. We've had a couple of non-employment
1: law questions about Well, you'll find out in just a few minutes. Um, We're going to come to those um, very soon indeed. No name on this message saying, does the summer holiday count as the notice period for teacher in a Dubai private school? I resigned in the summer and they haven't paid me in August saying I've got to pay 90 days for notice. Okay, what's the deal?
2: Okay, so with teachers, what we find is a lot of teachers are on fixed term contracts. So a fixed term contract has a clear start date and an end date. So for teachers, for example, the contract might start in September and then finishes in in June, July. It
1: wouldn't be a kind of a a 12 month calendar year. Exactly.
2: So um, you need to check your contract. And if, for example, um, there's a three month notice period and it ends uh, and you want to give notice, then you need to make sure that you've given sufficient notice before the end of the academic year. Otherwise, if you just give notice at the end, they're able to claim compensation in lieu of notice. Mm-hmm. So there is a misconception um, that there is no requirement to give notice, but that's not correct. Okay. Really hope that helps. Tanji Moyo in the studio with us today.
1: Joining us in studio, Tanji Moyo, partner, head of employment practice at Gately LLP, the Dubai branch on hand to answer my questions but most importantly yours no name on this one saying i've got legal question please my employer has failed to renew mine and my wife's medical insurance for the last 15 months what are my rights what can i do
2: so the obligation um in dubai is for the sponsor to um have the um medical insurance so um an employee can report um, the sponsor to the authorities for lack of that because it is mandatory. If you have a dependent in Dubai, actually, there is no obligation on the employer. Um, to provide that, unless it's a contractual right, mm-hmm. so check your employment contract and see whether the uh, medical insurance extends to your dependents. And then, of course, there's an obligation. If you're in Abu Dhabi, the situation is slightly different because actually, in Abu Dhabi, the um, obligation to provide medical insurance is on the for the um, employee, but also um, the dependents as well. So we see a difference when it comes to Emirates. So do check your your employment contracts. But but reporting for all, any anyone who doesn't have it. When you sponsor. say
1: reporting, and forgive my ignorance, yeah. where to, what do you say, how complicated is it, is there a fee attached, all that jazz?
2: Um, it really depends um, which jurisdiction you're in. Um, I would start um, with, with the Labour Department. So if you're in a free zone, make that report there. If you're unsure with the Ministry of Human Resources and Emeritisation, Um, When it comes to mandatory obligations, um, they do come quite heavily on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So companies need to make sure that everyone who's sponsored by them or they're employed by them has the required medical insurance. Can you do it anonymously? You can't do the, the complaints anonymously. You would need to say exactly who you are and where your rights come from. Um, so do check your contracts and see that you've got a valid claim before you file any complaints. But do also exhaust the internal um, process. Um, employees sometimes forget that they can make a complaint to HR or to the manager. Whoever's the authorised person mm-hmm. is where the complaint should start before they go externally.
1: Thanks, Tanji. Really hope that helps um, and keep us posted. It dovetails into a question we've got here saying, please no name. Hi, both. Um, I'm in a senior position at a startup up and haven't been paid since October Co-founders mm-hmm. keep saying this week, next month, but nothing there isn't even an HR department here what are my options? I'd quit but I'd be saying goodbye to three months salary equally reporting them would be career suicide too yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what they're counting on
2: Well, um, it's quite difficult situation but you'd be surprised the number of people who come um, to uh, seek advice and they haven't been paid for 6-12 to 12 months <gasps> which is just a really long uh, time. Um so I would still recommend that a complaint is filed. Um Yes, once you make a complaint, there is a likelihood that you might be terminated. You won't be saying goodbye to three months um, salary. The um, right and the entitlement will remain. Um, again, do the internal process, speak to he- to us in charge in writing, get evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly setting out when you were last paid, how much you're entitled to make that claim first internally. But if not, then you, unfortunately you'd have to make um, a claim. Okay, tension
1: more with us this afternoon. Anonymous message here saying, during COVID, the nursery I was working for got closed. After COVID, they sold their setup to another management company. We lost our jobs and at the same time, didn't even get our experience certificate. Management moved to India after a loss, so we can't contact them now. What should we do? I want to resume work. Um, I've just, you know, got pregnant had a baby and ready to go back but hasn't got this certificate Mm. i don't know if that's something you can help with Tanji, but yeah
2: I, i think look i think what's really important is to show that you have the required experience at the nursery and that should assist you get your next job so if you have any evidence of of working whether it be emails your contract um termination letters and so forth that's the type of evidence i would recommend putting together Um, If you have any witnesses or someone who was in authority to write you a letter of support, Mm -hmm. um, that's the type of evidence I would be thinking about putting together for that. Hope that helps. Tenji Moya with us today. Um, Question on 4001 saying, are non-compete
1: clauses enforceable? Just handed in my notice but found there's a one-year non-compete clause in place. If it's enforceable, when will this begin? From the day of notice or when I actually leave? Let's talk non-compete clauses in general first because... When I first arrived in Dubai (laughs) 17 years ago, they were a really big thing. Everyone everyone was living in fear of the dreaded non-compete clause. Fast forward a number of years. um, They don't seem to be as common or indeed as enforceable. But clearly, if this is in this listeners, um, you know, if if it's in place, how enforceable is it? Timings and I guess the jurisdiction that we're operating in as well.
2: Yeah. Um, good question. I think the starting point is they are recognized under local law. So non-competes are recognized. If you signed a non-compete, um, then it will be recognized. Enforceability is a separate point. Um, what the authorities tend to look at is, um, you know, whether it's reasonable. So they'll look at the nature of the business, the geographical scope, um, the business activities and so forth. Um, Are you moving to a direct competitor? Would your move actually harm your previous employer? Mm -hmm. And if we talk litigation, what we actually tend to look at is losses. Are, Are we able to demonstrate the fact that if Helen moved from company A to company B, um, this is what the damage would be and are we able to quantify them? In terms of when it would start, it's usually from the termination date. Um, however, in some contracts, it will take into account the garden leave period. So, for example, if you've given notice and your company says don't come to work for the next three months, you're in garden leave... Um, some contracts will take that into account because because uh, you're effectively not, not in sure. the company, so that can deduct from the um, the, the period. Are, are there
1: any industries in particular where you see more non-compete clauses than others?
2: Yeah, we see it a lot in the financial sector. Um, brokers um, in particular tend to be uh, really hot on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really important if we look at the UAE jurisdictions is to look at the different laws that apply. Um, so in the DIFC, for example, it's a common law jurisdiction which basically means it's basically on the laws of England and Wales, similar to that. Um, and An injunction is possible. So an injunction means you can get an order to stop someone moving from company A to company B. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a problem because uh, if the courts actually say you cannot go to this competitor, um, then they can't actually apply for your visa and so forth. So you find in that jurisdiction, it's a little bit more difficult to move. Onshore, we don't tend to see injunctions enforced um, but what you tend to find are companies saying okay what we're going to do is file a complaint against the company and the individual and provided there's um, loss we can prove losses.
1: Okay really hope that helps all the very best on the next chapter, Attention Warrior with us in the studio. I'm going to sneak in a quick question before the headlines, which I don't know if it's going to be a quick answer. <laughs> Can a company force employees to take unpaid leave? That's from LD on 4001.
2: Um, well, no, because it needs to be an agreement. Um, you are entitled to be paid for the the days that you work. If there is an agreement for unpaid leave, it needs to be in writing. It needs to be signed off. You might recall during COVID. It was actually a good thing because companies were actually wanting to preserve the employment relationship but thought actually we might need you to go on unpaid leave for a time. So it must be an agreement, a variation to the contract. Tanji Moyo, in the studio...
1: Joining us in studio, partner and head of employment practice at Gately LLP, Tenji Moyo is with us. She's a UK employment solicitor based out of the UA for a decade now, working on contentious, non contentious issues. So we can help with getting the job, getting out of the job, gratuity, contracts, reporting, and more. Um, we have had uh, a couple of non employment law questions, Tenji, that I would like to put to you because they sound like distressed um, residents of Dubai. So let me put this to you I'm saying urgent advice needed. My noisy neighbours have filed a criminal case against me for spraying water over the wall while they were sat in the garden at midnight after relentlessly asking them to turn the noise down so my children could sleep. I take full responsibility for spraying water. I was at my wits end after six months of raising complaints about their noise between midnight and 4am. Over the course, of six months. They've also accused me of swearing at them, which I strongly deny because this is not true. They've taken pictures and video of me against my consent. I have been to give my statement at the police station. I've been issued a travel ban until I appear in court. Can you give me some advice on what will happen in court? Will I be fined, sentenced, deported? I'm really worried and any advice would be gratefully Mm. received.
2: Um, Yeah, that's really distressing. I think um, the best advice would actually be to get some legal representation from a a qualified criminal um, lawyer. Um, which I'm not, um, but when it comes to bans and um, deportation and so forth, you must have a judgment against you. Um, so you're not at that stage yet. Um, what will need to happen is the public prosecutor would need to look at the case and then make an assessment as to whether it's even a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so a preliminary decision will be made by the public prosecutor. So we'll look at the, um, you know, the claim uh, about noise, the evidence, and so forth. And if there is enough of a claim, then you know the matter will proceed. Um, so it's very important to get your defence together. Um, when it comes to recording um, illegally without consent, it's actually inadmissible. So uh, I'm sure you've seen in the press, people are told and warned not to take recordings without consent. Um, so they're not actually able to use that against you. Um, if there has been swearing or profanity that um is taken quite seriously so usually what they will do is ask for witnesses of such behaviour. Um but very important to get your defence together, um I would say. Really scary stuff. Um yeah. so
1: yeah, absolutely. Um I my connect you privately in case any recommendations there as well. Um, back to employment law. Uh, Claire saying, hello both, hope you can help me regarding helpers gratuity. I've Searched online, nothing's come up that's recent. I've been on the Moray calendar um, and calculator, sorry, it won't let me use an earlier date than 2019. Do we only play gratuity from 2019 when the law came into effect? I'm struggling to find any info. Can you shed any light where I can go to work this out? We've had our helper mm. from 2014.
2: I think there's actually been quite a lot of confusion because um, when the 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 first law came, there was a law that came out in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, um, and that had a clear calculation for gratuity. So uh, when it comes to domestic workers, actually, they're not covered by the normal UAE labor law. They're covered by a domestic worker law, which is different. Now, the gratuity that came out in that law was 14 days for every year of service. Um, as opposed to 21 days, which you find in the UAE labour law. Um, the latest revision of the law um, that came out actually didn't have those calculations or any reference to end-of-service end of, uh, end of, end of service gratuity, hence the confusion. Um, what I do see in practice is most people are making the calculation back to 2017. Um, uh, but a lot of employers, just in good faith, um, are paying for the time that they've had their employee. I
1: think that is a really nice point. To make yeah, sometimes we can just do better than what we have to do. Uh,
2: absolutely, I had my previous helper for ten years, um, so we, you know, we went back to uh, as long as we had her, which Good. is always nice.
1: One very quick question from R uh, before we head over some some dire straits and indeed a very busy traffic report. I, I fear saying so just looking for some advice on maternity leave, not feeling supported at my current school. If my baby is due at the start of July, do all do my maternity days all count as summer holidays, or should they start after? Great question. So calculating maternity leave as a teacher.
2: I think that's um, really interesting. I think when you take your maternity leave, it's actually calendar days. So it will start when you give birth. There will be no pause, if you like. Um, So, yes, I can understand the kind of argument, but it will not extend your maternity leave at all. So it'll be 60 days um, from the time you take off.
1: I was going to say splashdown
2: yeah. <laughs> T- <laughs> No, T- no extension
1: Thank you so so much for your time You explain things so beautifully um, For anyone who wants to contact you about anything we couldn't get to on the show Or they'd rather pri- privately uh, reach out What's the best way of getting in touch?
2: Um, just to drop an email um, Moyer at gatelyae.com And I'll be able to help you from there Thank you so so much Wishing you very happy, healthy, busy but not too busy
1: 2024
2: How does that Same sound? Same to you, that sounds amazing oh,
1: thank Doesn't it